0: Buenos días, cómo están todos? Mira, algunos de ustedes pueden hablar este idioma cielo, ¿no? Some of y'all can speak this language of heaven, no? You know, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, I wish Pastor Tim and Kim could be here with us today, but God's going to be glorified through our praise and through the preaching of His Word and our faithfulness to Him, right? Come on now, church. You know, out out in the foyer is our display table. There's some things from Costa Rica there, and if you want to see more about our ministry, sign up on our newsletter, sign up sheet. If, you want, if those who are on online, you want to visit our website at rstrange.family, and you can subscribe that way to our updates. But, you know, it's a joy to be here with you all today. My beloved wife, Nicole, couldn't be with me today because yesterday she had an attack of vertigo and has been in bed most of yesterday and today so far. But would you pray for her, that God will touch her and heal her? I do believe that God is already working a healing touch in her body right now, just as he is with Pastor Tim, with his back and with COVID. We know a God who is able. Amen? You know, in, in Costa Rica, I, I would, if it was we were Sunday morning, right, by now we'd be having a cup of coffee. Some of y'all got a cup of coffee now. I've seen it right here in the sanctuary. But, you know, we'd be rejoicing and praising the Lord, but with coffee in hand, lifting up a holy sacrifice to praise to our Lord and Savior. You know, it's amazing where God will take you if you just say yes. You know, our theme, all for Jesus, do I we want to give all? You know, we sing the old hymn, all of Jesus I surrender, all of him I freely give. That's where we are at right now as a family of missionaries. My wife and I have served in Costa Rica now for 10 years, and God brought us there to serve among the indigenous. There are eight different tribes in Costa Rica, 22 different reservations, and when my brother introduced me, he talked about living in San Isidro. I've driven through San Isidro countless times on the way down to the Zona Sur of Costa Rica. I've stopped there many times for a cup of coffee. Many times, for, to get to San Isidro from my house, from where I lived in San Jose, we drive through the mountains, through a mountain pass called Cerro de Muerte, the mountain of death. Because many people would die of hypothermia in the old days when I used to bring coffee through the mountains to the port. And so it's amazing where God will take you. I, running into a Costa Rican Salvadoran brother here. I lived in El Salvador three years. But is son riquísimo. Oof. But it's amazing where God will take you. So we work among the indigenous. And so out with the Guaymi Indians down near Panama, there were 300,000 of them that come back and forth between Panama and Costa Rica. And they needed to have a true encounter with Jesus. How many believe that they're worthy of God? to know who he really is. You see, we've all been created in his image, haven't we? But many people don't realize that God created every one of us with a purpose and plan. And his plan involves his son, Jesus, who died on the cross, rose from the grave, is coming back soon. He wants to guide me to know who they really are. You know, it's funny, I was talking to Bob earlier outside in the foyer, and he's like, we still have snow around here. I was like, yeah, I know, it's a little cold. But, you know, can I take you guys someplace warmer today? How I many of you guys are going to go to Costa Rica with me today? I want to take you really quick to the reserve. Watch this video clip with me this morning. Of the the eight tribes in Costa Rica, the Guayme Indians are considered the most least reached tribe. A tribe that has heard of Jesus but never embraced who he really is. Through their synchronistic beliefs, they've adopted some ideas of who Christ may be, but not who he really is. You see, they confuse Christ with their ancestral deity's son. His name is Nakomala. Nakomala is dead. There's no redemption through him. He only spies upon you and judges you. But Jesus came, came to give life and life more abundantly. Amen? And through his death and resurrection, we are what? Forgiven and healed. You know, that's what's, more, what's most important is who Jesus really is. And so I want to frame my thoughts this morning around a passage of Scripture. If you have your Bibles or you have them on your phone or, you know, open them up with me to Luke chapter 14. You know, in this passage, Jesus is fellowshipping with the Pharisees. Aren't you thankful Jesus would fellowship with anybody? He fellowships with me and you. But he, this, in this passage, he was with the Pharisees. He's having a meal with them, and he sat down, and he was talking with them about different things about the meal and where people were seated and around the table. It was amazing because if you look at it, he, he talks about their present life. He advises them in regard to their future and, and, and what's going to happen to them if they're not careful. But if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 14, starting verse 15, I'm going to be reading from the message version of the Bible this morning, and it's the story of the great dinner party. In verse 15, it starts, that triggered a response from one of the guests. That's a great word, trigger, didn't it? That's a word that in this day and age has become synonymous with being angry or upset about something. Pastor, your message triggered me last Sunday. Well, good, it revoked a response, you know, but... But it triggered a response from one of the guests. How fortunate the one who gets to eat dinner in God's kingdom. And Jesus followed up with with that person. He said, yes, for there was once a man who threw a great dinner party invited many. When it was time for dinner, he sent out his servant to the invited guests, saying, come on in, food's on the table. They all began to beg off, one after another, making excuses. The first said, I bought a piece of property and need to look it over. Send my regrets. He must have bought that property off of Zillow. How can you buy a piece of property and never look at it? I gotta go look at it. Another said, I bought five teams of oxen. I really need to get check them out. Send my regrets. He must have bought this car offline off Facebook Marketplace. How dare you buy a car and never look at it? And Yet another said, I just got married and need to get home to my wife. You know, that's just ridiculous. In that culture, they were so chauvinistic he would have gone to dinner and not even thought of his wife. Instead, he used his wife as an excuse. That's just sad. But the servant went back and told his master what had happened. He was outraged and told the servant, Quickly, get out into the city streets and alleys. Collect all who look like they need a square meal. All the misfits and homeless, and down and out you can lay your hands on. And bring them here. The servant reported back, Master, I did what you commanded, and there's still room. The master said, then go the country roads. Whoever you find, drag them in. I want my house full. How many are thankful today there's still room at the table? How many are thankful that the master is still saying that he wants his house full? You see, God brought us to Costa Rica and brought us down on an indigenous reserve called La Casona, or the big house. And it's a reserve of about 7,000 Guaymi Indians with only two churches for 7,000 people. The Guaymi Indians number 300,000, and only less than three percent know who Jesus really is. That's like 9,000 people, folks. That's not enough. That's not saying the borough of Shrewsbury is reached when there's people here who still need to know who Jesus really is. And so we start going and visiting with Pastor Juan and Pastor decatar, and, and Pastor Juan is the only Guaymi pastor there is in Costa Rica, only someone got a Guayme pastor. Pastor Juan, what do you need? He's like, I don't really have any children in my my church, and I don't really see a need for them, but why do I need kids in my church? So I sat down, we explained to Juan about Jesus said, Let little children come unto me, that we all must be like children to come to him. And so we started working with Pastor Juan and his church in discipleship and forming a a leadership team. First Sunday, we invited kids with seven or eight. By the time we left to come home for itineration, we had to rebuild a a fellowship hall because it was leaking and rotted out with termite infested. We rebuilt it with a team and the kids have a safe place to meet when it rained. And it wasn't big enough, so we built another Sunday school classroom and now there were 60 kids that come on a Sunday morning to hear who Jesus really is. That he loves them for who they are. You see, Jesus will meet people where they are because he loves them where they're at. But loves them too much for them to stay there. He wants them to have life and life more abundantly in him. It's important we reach the lost where they're at. But you see, down the road from La Casona is a little town, a little pueblo called Las Vegas. And what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. But I started working with Pastor Ricauter and his church and discipleship as well. And his church borders right on the reserve. And About 30 Guaymi Indians would come down every Sunday morning for church from around the reserve. But one little lady named Abuela Victoria, Grandma Victoria, would come down from Alto Union Arriba, two-and-a-half-hour hike down the mountain to church. And one Sunday I was preaching in church, and I was talking about the value of discipleship, how we all must be in discipleship. We all must study his word. And she said, Timoteo, yo quiero estar discipulado, pero no puedo leer. She said, Tim, I want to be in discipleship, but I can't read. How can you help me? I gave her an audio Bible, a proclaimer, that had the Bible in Spanish And in Guaymi, her native language. And she hiked back up the mountain two and a half hours. And she sat at her little house right on the edge of a valley looking down. And she pressed play. And her daughter started listening to it with her. And every day they listened to a chapter a day. And they got into John. And they got into John chapter 3 when the cacique, the village chief, Catarina, walked by. And Katharina walked by every day because he he liked to keep shabs on everybody in the village. And he had his whiskey bottle in one hand and and just stumbled through the village. And he got towards Victoria's house, and he heard something like poetry. He wasn't sure what it was. He got there, and he kept on saying, that's beautiful poetry. I want to hear more. And she said, okay, what do you want to hear? The same thing, rewind it, rewind it. So she rewound it. It was John chapter 3. It got to John 3.16, and he, he got more attentive. And at John 3.17, he got even more attentive. And he'd say, stop it, rewind it. I want to hear that poetry again. Three times he heard John chapter 3. And a third time, Caterino looked at Victoria, and he says, I don't know what that is, but I want it. I want it. And she dropped his whiskey bottle there. I was down at the church in, in Las Vegas a couple weeks later, Little Victoria comes over, and she says, Timoteo, when are you going to start a church in my, in my village? I looked at Pastor Ricardo. and said, how about now? So we went up Sunday afternoon. you got to understand, Victoria could do the hike up two and a half hours. It took me about three, three and a half. But this boy can roll downhill. I can move coming downhill. But we got up there, and with seven people, we started at her little, little chosa, her little house. And we pressed play on the Proclaimer, and we listened to the word, and we discussed the word, and we prayed together. The next week, we had to move from her house because there were too many people. We went to Catarino's house, and we had 13 people underneath his little tin awning, and we did, the, we did it again. And within a month and a half, we had 30 people coming to small group discipleship, because the word brings life. Jesus brings life. And so what's amazing is that it, it, we, we brought a team up there of, of language school students. See, if you want to be a missionary in Latin America, you have to come to Costa Rica to learn Spanish. Why? Because the Costa Ricans think they speak the best Spanish. When we all know the Colombians speak better. But anyway, they're all there. And so we take them up the mountain with us. We take them out of San Jose, six-hour drive, down to the mountains. And we stop at a Cattle Corral. And I said, okay, everyone's going to break into small groups, four groups. You each have a translator. Don't worry. But you're going to visit homes, knock on doors. And I want you, when you knock on the door, just say, hey, we're going to pray for you. Well, how can we pray a prayer blessing over you? Listen to their needs, pray for the family, and invite them for lunch. Invite them to the schoolhouse. They know where the schoolhouse is at. It's five miles away. It's a five-mile hike from where we started. I got in my Speed of Light vehicle, and the image you just saw on the video of, of going over the road, that's my Speed of Light 4 It's a 2003 Toyota 4Runner. I praise God for Speed of Light. But last term on that vehicle, I put three sets of tie rods, two sets of brakes. I blew a valve cover. I'll do it all again, just reach one more Guaymi Indian. You know, it's amazing what happened. So those, that group of students walked. What I didn't know is that the alcalde, the county commissioner, had shown up earlier and invited everybody up to the schoolhouse for a meeting because he was going to make promises he wasn't going to keep because he was up for re-election. Sound familiar? So he's there, and I get up there, and I'm expecting maybe 35, 40 people for lunch. We're going to make arroz con pollo and frijoles molidos. We're going to make chicken and rice and refried beans and coffee because you can't have coffee Co- and meat without coffee in Costa Rica. And so we're there... And the meeting for Alcalde was going to ho- ho- start. I said, wait a minute. Can I make an announcement? So I said, hey, after you're done with this meeting, come over for lunch. Just come over for lunch. We have a great meal prepared for you guys. So after they got out with a meal, everybody came over to our little makeshift kitchen. And we served them arroz y frijoles. Actually, arroz, pardon me. Arroz con pollo. Forgive me. Two different things, but two great foods. Oh, I'm getting hungry. But... We serve them arroz con and pollo, frijoles and, molidos, and chips because you can't have any of that without potato chips. And so we're there and and uh, we're loving all these people. And we had about 70 people stay, plus all the North Americans there. And we sing a song in English just to get their attention because they have no idea what English sounds like. And a song it sounds kind of like Chinese for them. And they 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 complain that we English speakers speak too fast. And so. Uh, we, then we sang a couple songs in Spanish, and then we told the, woman, the story with the woman with the issue of blood, and the story we told went something like this. There was once an old lady who exhausted all her finances, all her resources, with every doctor she could go to and she was dirt broke, she had nothing left. But she heard of a man named Jesus, and for weeks she saw him from afar and couldn't get close to him because of the crowds that were around him. But she was so desperate that she couldn't handle it any longer with her desperation with her sickness that she got down on her hands and knees at the edge of the crowd and forced her way through the crowd. And as she was going, she would hit people on the leg, move over, move over, I gotta get through, and she'd push her way through. And all of a sudden she did not go any further, And Javier would move, so she crawled through Javier's legs just to get to Jesus. She could go no further, and she reached out and touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus stopped and turned around and said, who touched me? His disciples, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all said, Lord, we have no idea who touched you. Look at the crowd around you. There's no way we could tell. And Jesus said, no, no, somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. And with fear and trepidation, this little old lady stood up. And she said, it was I. I touched you. And he said, woman, your faith has made you whole. You see, we told that story among the Guaymi Indians that day. And they were pretty quiet. They didn't want to respond to any of our questions. We asked them questions like, hey, what did you like about that story? What didn't you like about it? What did Jesus do? But they were really quiet. And finally, a Guaymi lady stood up in the very back of the crowd and yelled, I don't know anything about this Bible you're talking about. I want to know more about this Jesus. I want to know more about this Jesus. It's all for Jesus, folks. We don't do anything. If, if it's not for Jesus, we're doing it wrong, folks. And so we said, let me tell you more about it. And so the church grew and grew and then COVID hit. How many are thankful for COVID? How many can I just say, Lord, I thank you for COVID. I thank you for what, what it's brought. Because you know what it's brought? It's brought a sifting with the wheat and the chaff it's brought a sifting among the church. And so what's happened is this, is that out in Costa Rica, when it hit, I was on the road in my speed light vehicle taking about $1,000 worth of food in my, in my truck down to the reserve for a team that was coming, and all of a sudden everything got canceled, the world shut down. What do you do when the world shuts down? So from the end of February through October, churches couldn't meet in Costa Rica. We were under a cure for you from five at night to five in the morning. We can only drive two days a week. Two days a week. So look at your license plate number. What's it end with? Mine in with? Mine ends with three. I could drive on a Tuesday and a Saturday. That was it. Only grocery stores and hospitals and gas stations were open. Nothing else. What do you do when the rug is yanked out from you? You start praying, you start seeking God's face, you start looking God. What is your plan and purpose for this year? What people didn't realize is when you started looking at the rules that Costa Rica passed, and you said, hey, what are the rules, what are the laws? Oh, wait a minute, there's something here called an essential worker. Are you an essential worker? I became one. I wrote myself a letter saying I was an essential worker that gave me permission to drive. I got our, our national superintendent to, to sign it that said that, he, I, that I was essential worker I could drive. So I started driving down to the reserve. I st- and I got down the reserve, and there's a big chain across the entrance. It said, cerrado por COVID, closed because of COVID. No entra, no entry. No salga la casa, don't leave home. Don't play on the cancha. Don't go to work. Don't do anything. Just stay home. My wife and I went door to door, knocking on doors. Upe, upe. Are you home? Can I talk with you? And we would give boxes of food out. Rice, beans, spaghetti, spaghetti sauce, and tuna. You haven't lived, you've had spaghetti sauce and tuna mixed over noodles. You haven't. You've got to experience this once in your life. It'll change your life. Because you'll learn, you learn to love the people by learning to love their food. It was amazing what happened during those times of going door to door and knocking on doors. God was faithful. And even though the church couldn't meet, the church was growing. And finally, the churches could open up. They had to to complete a 45-page guideline to open up a building. Hand-washing stations in the church, outside the church, temperatures taken, everything. Most indigenous churches couldn't do that, but we opened up anyway. And what happened is this, is that the 35 people that we left when we stopped and visited turned into 45, the first discipleship meeting we had. You see, the word of the Lord will not return void. You know, the story we're talking about today, the great dinner party, you know, I don't know about y'all, but when I get to heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb, before we take communion together and we are at the big feast, big banquet table, what are you going to eat? Have you made your reservation today? You see, I'm going to eat rice and beans. That's my favorite food. For some of you guys, it might be a ropa vieja. For some of you, it might be just a plate of spare ribs. But I can't wait to get there that day. I can't wait for that day when I can say, Lord, I made my reservation long ago. My, my account was settled long ago. But I made my reservation, and it's not just for me. I've made a plus one. I brought the Guaimi with me. I brought the Cabreca with me. I brought the Brie with me because I wanted your house to be full. You see, there's still room at the table. Have you made your res- reservation today? And it's simple. When I say reservation, it means this, that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That according to Romans, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and rose from the grave, then you're saved. That's what it's about, friends. You see, the story is pretty impressive. Jesus was sitting with a group of Pharisees, and he was talking to them about them. He really was. His whole passage, he was just taking them apart. And it was just amazing because in the story, many invitations were given, and they accepted the invitations. But when the servant went out to call them in, they all begged off. They all said no, I have got other things to do. I've got more important things than to attend a dinner party. You know, God prevents anybody to reject his invitation. He allows for any excuse. He doesn't force anybody to accept his love. But it's to reject God's an insult. You know, he paid a he he made a costly invitation, a costly he paid a costly price for that banquet. He gave his only son, John 3:16, for God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, it says this: if you know it was not with perishable things such as gold and silver, you're redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without spot or blemish. You know, he's esteemed each and every one of us, even the person on the street, to be a friend. Others are influenced by our acceptance or rejection of his invitation. You know, when I was growing up, my dad passed here for 45 years, and I was seven years old when we left Illinois to go to Florida. I never wanted to move. Any my dad wanted to move, I didn't want to go because I, where he moved to became home for me. But there was an old man that every Sunday morning he would show up at our, church, at, our, at our home before church, and he'd be sitting on the back porch, and he'd always be singing, and he'd be reading his Bible. His name was Jimmy Brown, and Jimmy Brown would go downtown, Jerseyville, Illinois, Every Monday morning and Monday evening, every, every, day, every evening during the week, he'd, he'd unroll the awnings of the old shops. And at night, he'd go back and roll them back up. But Jimmy would be singing a song every time he'd go. And it was a song that went like this. Jesus has a table spread where the saints of God are fed. He invites his chosen people to come and dine. With his manna he to feed and supply our every need. Ode is sweet to sup with Jesus all the time. Come and dine, the Master calleth, come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude turned the water into wine. To to the hungry now calleth, come and dine. Friends, we must be as the servant was to the Master, because the Master is Jesus. Jesus has prepared the feast. We are now the servants in the story. We need to go and say, come and dine, come and dine. Dinner's on the table. Sooner or later, he's going to come, but I'm praying, give me one more day to reach one more Guime Indian for the love of Jesus, that they too can come to the banquet table and know who he truly is. Friends, today, I don't know where you're at, whether online or sitting at home or here in the sanctuary. Do you, have you made your reservation? Do you know who Jesus really is? That he is the Lord and Savior of your life? I invite you today Just say this simple prayer with me. If you would, great. If not, that's okay. But see, it's it's a simple prayer like this. Dear Jesus, I love you. I believe as it says in your word, that if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you died for my sins and rose from the grave, I am saved. Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive my sins. I believe today I found new life in you. In your precious name, amen. If you've said that prayer and you mean it, Friends, you've made your reservation at the table. It's time now to go and find somebody to bring to the party with you. It's time, friends, because the dinner party is coming soon. Are we ready for it? Thank you guys so much for your time today.
1: Where would you come? We at church, praise God. It's a joy to serve the living God. Amen. Aren't you, aren't you glad somebody brought the gospel to you? Aren't you glad that you don't serve a dead God, that you're not in Costa Rica living in the mountains and having a God whose name is death? You serve a living God. You serve a God that's going to throw a party for you. Amen. It's not, a, it's not a banquet like you've ever seen before. OK, this banquet table is full beyond your imagination. It's not just full of sweet stuff to make you feel happy, but it's full of good stuff to make you healthy, to make you wise. It's full of good stuff to fill you with good things so that your mouth can sing praises, so that you can praise God and, and give him glory for all the wonderful things that he's done. This is what God feeds us with. It's, it's a joy. Somebody say amen. It's a joy to serve the living God. I, I really appreciate these uh, these missionary Um, These missions weeks that we do because I get to hear what God is doing in the world. And it confirms to me that what God has done for me, he's doing in the world. That God has brought me out of darkness and that he brings others out of darkness. That God's given me a new story. That where I used to be alone, I now live in the kingdom of light. Where I used to be afraid, I'm no longer afraid. God's given me a new story because somebody brought the gospel to me. Somebody who was called by God brought the gospel to me, told me, do you know that there is a living God? Told me that there is a Jesus who sacrificed himself for me. That's an amazing story. And it changes a person. And it's always good to hear what the missionaries are doing in the world to change the lives and the stories of people throughout the world. I want to encourage you, folks. We're, We're going to be taking our, uh, our faith promise, which is what we do at the end of all of these missionaries, missionary uh, emphasis weeks. And for us, that is to say, for pastor's mission, uh, vision, it's a time of, uh, of serious thought. Now, there are lots of different ways we can approach this. We can put the balloons out here. We can shoot off the cannons of confetti and get you all worked up and get you all excited about laying out some cash in order to support the missionaries. We can tug on your heartstrings and and make you feel how bad it is for the rest of the world, but it's not about that. This is is a, a, a solemn occasion because we're making a promise. That is to say, we've heard the gospel. We've been changed, and God has called us to go into the world so that others might be changed, so that they may have a new story. God has called us to partner with him to go into the world and to preach the gospel. So this is a promise that we're making that we're going to support the work not only here at Shrewsbury First Assembly but throughout the whole world. I hope you you had this during the week and and you saw the missionaries that that we support and you've looked in the back of the church there and you've seen their faces and you've taken some time to pray. The gospel is being preached. Gospel is being preached. Now, it may seem to you that, okay, the gospel is being preached and, and, and these people's lives are being changed. But you have to realize that that you've maybe you've grown up in some pretty good circumstances. You know, maybe your life is maybe you've grown up in the church and you've never had an abusive parent. Maybe you've grown up in the church where, where no one has ever accosted you. Maybe you've grown up in the church and you you've never really seen a, a point where you've gone from darkness to light and you've heard some stories about. How people's lives have been radically changed. And you may look at yourself and you say, Well, my life has not been radically changed. I've always been like this. I've been in the church forever. I've known the gospel all my life. So I don't really know what deep darkness is. That's a deception. That's a deception. God has changed you radically. And there are people out there who need to hear this gospel. Even though we have been blessed. Beyond measure, we need to understand that there are people who haven't received this blessing. And as Pastor preached last week, what are you going to do with that blessing? What are you going to do with the salvation? Okay, so you've been saved, you're not, you're not going to hell, you're going to heaven. So what are you going to do with that? You're going to keep that to yourself, that wonderful gift? The joy that you have in your heart, are you going to keep that to yourself? I say God has called us to go and preach the gospel. God has called us to partner with our missionaries. God has called us to be personally involved. So we're going to take these promises and we're going to prayerfully consider what it is God would have us do. This is above and beyond your tithe. And we've said it before, this is not part of your tithe. This is, this is an offering. And if, if you don't understand and appreciate the necessity of tithing, that's another day. <laughs> that's another sermon. God will get a hold of your heart concerning that. God asks us to tithe from our increase. I remember somebody, um, let's not go there. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about the offering. Let's talk about what God wants us to do above and beyond our tithe. It's a sacrifice, I know. Even tithing can be a sacrifice. You know, you, you, you have a hard time making ends meet. I know, I'm there. My budget doesn't always balance out. Sometimes it never balances out. <laughs> But God will honor your sacrifice. God will honor the promise that you make. God will honor you with blessing. Not because you've decided to give, but because that's just the way he is. God just blesses. He loves to bless. He loves to pour out upon us. It's like a mother and father on their child, doting parents. God loves us beyond what we could imagine. You remember Job. God bragged to Satan about Job. Satan came to see God, and God said, Have you considered my servant Job? God is bragging about you because he pours blessings upon you because he loves you with an everlasting love. We're going to pray, church, and I want you to prayerfully consider what the Lord would have you do to help support our missionaries. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much that the word, that your word is quick and that it's powerful, that it is alive and that it changes our lives. God, we thank you that there is no one like you, that your word indeed changes lives. You have brought us out of darkness. God, you brought us out of ignorance. You brought us out of fear. You brought us out of doubt and you've given us hope. You've given us joy. You put a new song in our our mouths. Hallelujah. We want that to go forward, Lord. Throughout the entire world, we want to see that prosper. We want to see lives change. We want to hear how the gospel is making a dramatic impact in the lives of so many people around the world. And we thank you, Lord, that you asked us to be a part of that. I pray, Father, that you would bless every promise this morning. God, I pray that you would take every thought and that you would multiply it, and that you would put your imprint on it, and that you would say, yes, this is what I want you to do. Step out in faith. Provide for the missionaries. Provide for the word to go forth. Touch our hearts this morning, Lord God, and make it so. In Jesus' name, I pray. For those of you online, I just want to remind you, you might have gotten this in the mail. If you haven't received this in the mail, there it is. If you haven't received this in the mail, then you can find the Faith Promise card either on the, uh, the YouTube, uh, what do you call that, stream. Uh, you can find it on our website. Uh, you should be able to also find it in the link uh, for the bulletin. There are a number of places where it is digitally. So you who are online aren't with us this morning. I want you to go ahead and uh, please fill those out, mail it into the church. The reason we want you to do this to fill it out and to, to send it to the church is so that we have a budget that we know and have an idea,